So many things that we come in contact with do not last. Uh, the food that we eat gives us strength for that time, but it doesn't last. The experiences that we have, we enjoy for the time, but they really don't last. And yet what we do with the Lord Jesus, what happens between my heart and his heart, lasts. Today on the Song Time broadcast, we'll hear again from the late great Dr. Warren Wearsby as we break down Luke chapter 10, the story of Mary and Martha. We have a lot to learn from Mary, especially what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus, to take in what Jesus has to offer to us, but also to return our worship and devotion to him. Stay tuned for that message. But first, we're going to be hearing from Melissa Zaldivar again as we talk about her excellent book called What Cannot Be Lost as we deal with anxiety and fear and the loss of loved ones. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. I don't know about you, but I'm the sort of guy that likes to eat my food in its separate compartments. If I could have a plate divider at every meal, I absolutely would. Uh, Some things are just not meant to mix together. I want a spot on my plate for a prime rib sandwich. I want another spot on my plate for uh, loaded mac and cheese, you know, And, and I want another spot on my plate for all of my mixed vegetables. I don't want the three of them kind of, you know, mixing together. Um, I will eat them. I don't complain. I'm not that picky. But, you know, I would prefer them to be set apart. But life is not so easy, is it? Uh, In fact, many of the circumstances that we face in life seem to blend in over each other in such a way that often feels overwhelming. Well, our guest today is Melissa Zaldivar, and she's written a book called What Cannot Be Lost? How Jesus Holds Us Together When Life Is Falling Apart. And Melissa, this is really the story of your life and also the life of a close friend of yours that was lost. Um, and as you tell this story, it's uh, really many different layers, many different elements that are coming together, all in this confluence of events to present a very challenging uh, series of, of life circumstances that put you in this place of feeling of loss. So tell us a little bit about that intersection and, and how you came to write this book. Well, I think that life is everything all at once, right? Um, I think about how we try to organize things to some degree, right? We try to sit down and say, okay, um, you know, this is what this season will be. This is what my goals will be, whatever those things are. Uh, But at a certain point, it doesn't go according to plan. And I think that we have to understand that It is never, first of all, it's never going to go according to our plan. It'll always go according to God's plan. But second of all, something that has been really helpful for me to think about recently, and I don't know if this will answer your question exactly or not, but is the and nature of life, that it's not this or this, it's this and this. So I could be celebrating a friend's birthday and really sad that my friend has died. I could be celebrating um, somebody having a retirement party while still being stressed out about my career. There are ways that we live where we think it's only one or the other, that we're happy or we're sad, but sometimes it's a combination of both. And I think that's part of just the human condition is this idea that God has made us with a whole lot of emotions, with a whole lot of experiences. And I don't think his expectation for us is like, hold it together all the time um, or fall apart all the time. It's, it's kind of both. And so when I think about that, you know, it's, it's a gift to be able to be fully human and to be human before a God that does not expect us to be anything but human, Mm. if that makes sense. 
Yeah. The the life is a lot more complicated than we like to make it out to be. It's certainly much more complicated than what we see on the screen, right? And uh, what we project on our own screens when we try to put it up on social media. Uh, you can look at somebody's life, somebody you're close to, and never realize that they're actually going through some major hardships because what they're projecting online and social media is always this sort of positive, kind of glossed over, photoshopped per, uh, version of their story. Yeah, I mean, that is such a common thing. You think about even just the idea of filters, right? Mm. That people put filters on their um, Instagram stories. And I get it. Like, it, maybe it looks cool. Maybe it's kind of fun or goofy. It turns you into a dog or gives you, you know, like less blemishes on your face. I don't know. But it also really points to the underlying problem that can happen with social media. I think the internet is a great place and there are some really beautiful things. In fact, just last week, a friend of mine got a call that they were adopting a child and the child came a month early. And so they were like, oh, we got to go. Like it is go time a month before. And they were raising support to try to um, afford this adoption. And all of a sudden they just lost four weeks of support raising time and they needed it now. And we went on the internet and we shared it on social media and, um, you know, within 12 hours they were taken care of. So the internet is a great place, but I think it also lends itself to, it can be a very polished place. It can be a very, um, sort of in some ways, uh, like the word I'm trying to think of is like almost like manicured or like it's, it's a polished version of your real life. Um, and when we do that and when we live in that space, I think it's not good for our souls. Mm. And so one of the things that I try to think through with social media is, first of all, is this thing true? And second of all, is this the sort of thing that needs to be on the Internet? Um, sometimes the Internet is good for things, like I mentioned, but sometimes it kind of exacerbates issues that are already there. If you are feeling um, a sense of needing attention from other people, maybe that's not the greatest place. Maybe you need to talk to your actual people in real life right? Um, maybe you need to sort of take a step back. And so when we go on our phones and we start looking for things that God has made us for, ultimately in that space, I think we're in a dangerous place. But if we're also like, hey, I want to build community. I want to stay in touch with friends from college, things like that. It, it can be a good place. And so I think we have to really think through like, what is my motive in posting this? What is it that I'm feeling a longing for? What is it that I feel a desire for? And are those things to be met with, um, like, are we supposed to be met by the internet uh, in those things? Um, or is it that we're using the internet in place of God or community or things that are good and real um, because we think it'll work out better in our favor, which again has to do with control, which of course doesn't really exist because nothing's in our control. Mm -hmm. But even before the internet, we had the the, the problems of uh, you know going to church or a, a gathering with other people, and they say, "How are you doing?" And you go, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm good," fine. and not yeah. really opening up. You know, we still have those problems even to this day. And the reality is, life is really about helping each other and bearing one another's burdens. And that's something that you've you've kind of written about in this book, where while going through this whole process of dealing with loss. Uh, you realize that you really weren't alone in that process. Yeah, I think there is a beauty to community and we don't realize it until we need it. We mm -hmm. don't realize how amazing our community is until we face a hard thing. But I think a lot of the time we don't develop community in sunny seasons and then the rains come and all of a sudden we're like, oh no, like I don't have the relational 
uh, depth here to be met in these ways. And so when I think about community and real life and, and the Lord using other people, um, I'm continually, first of all, just wowed by it and grateful for it. But something I've realized is it has taken a very long time to intentionally cultivate it. And I think a lot of people think community is just going to happen. And it did in some parts of our lives, right? When we were in high school and we went to youth group or we went to, we were on a sports team or we were in class. You're just naturally around people. You naturally make friends. I would think of my friends from high school and college as, oh, we had this class together and that's how we met, right? My friend who passed away, we met in the laundry room. Like you just naturally are kind of bumping into people. But I think as we get older, we assume it will be that easy. And then when it's not, we kind of shut down. We don't take an interest. We complain about it. We get cynical about it. But it's like, hey, sometimes you have to text people more than once. Sometimes you have to pursue them. Just the other day, um, a friend and I were talking about our friendship because it's a new friendship. Um, We've gotten to know each other in the last few months. And I said to her, hey, are you the type of person that I need to reach (laughs) out to you if we're going to hang out? Like, does that stress you out? Or do you want to reach out to me? Like, how do you function in relationships? And it's such an almost strange thing to say. And yet that intentionality is what allowed her to say, oh, I'm really bad at reaching out, but I do want to hang out. Please reach out to me. And then I knew it's not personal. If I don't hear from her for a minute, she does want to be my friend. So I think it allows um, to, you know, it's like that phrase that I've heard floating around. I think maybe Brené Brown or someone who talks about relationships a lot says it as like, you know, like kind, like clarity is kind. Right. And so when we offer clarity and intentionality in, in relationship, it allows us to have better relationships. It allows us to not build scenarios in our head where we think someone doesn't like us um, or we think too much about ourselves or not enough about ourselves or whatever. Uh, and it allows us to see things as they really are. And then when hard things happen, that community is there because you've established in a healthy, grown-up way, a relationship, and you know that you can reach out to that person because you've taken the time to intentionally cultivate that relationship previously. We've been talking with Melissa Zaldivar. Her book is called What Cannot Be Lost, How Jesus Holds Us Together When Life is Falling Apart. It's a resource that would benefit many of you, I am sure. As we've been talking about the book, it might have even struck a chord. This is a great resource. It's written from the heart of somebody who knows and realizes that pain of loss. But maybe you know someone else in your life that could benefit from this as well. Let's share this good news. Let's not just sit on this information. Let's let the world know that there is hope. For us, especially when it feels like our world is falling apart. Find out more information by giving us a call. It's 508-362-7070 or head over to our website at songtime.com. Well, today we are continuing our study in Luke chapter 10. And the story of Mary and Martha gives us some great insight into what has been central to the story of the Gospel of Luke. This idea of, of getting the message of Jesus or missing the message of Jesus. Mary finds herself at the feet of Jesus while Martha is busy making all of the preparations for the meal. Mary has chosen the better place and Martha has missed out. How do we make sense of that? What is Mary gaining as she sits at the feet of Jesus? To explain, we turn now to the late, great Dr. Warren Wearsby. Now, may I suggest to you that there are three reasons why you and I need to meet the Lord every single day. First of all, because of what it means to us personally. 
Let's start there. I'm not being selfish. If I say to you, you ought to meet with the Lord every single day and spend time in prayer and fellowship and in the Word because it does you good, I'm not being selfish. When my, when my doctor says to me, I won't be here next week, uh, Dr. So-and-so will take care of my cases, I'm going off to a special training seminar, I need to develop some new skills, I don't say, Doctor, you're selfish. That's a mean thing to do. Because a professional man needs to keep his skills up to date. He is doing himself good that he might do me good. This is true of a musician, it's true of a teacher, it's true of a mother or a father. If we don't take care of ourselves, we can't do much for anybody else. Paul writes to Timothy and says, Take heed to thyself and to the teaching. Now, we put the teaching first. Paul didn't. He said, You take care of yourself. You make sure you are growing and then you can share something with somebody else. And so I say to you, the first reason for this devotional time with the Lord is because of what it means to you. Now, I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, there have been two tremendous blessings that come from my devotional time. The first is what I like to call enrichment. Here's Martha fussing over here, defrosting TV dinners and getting everything ready. Here's Mary over here, and she's waiting before the Lord and listening to his voice. And you wonder, what in the world is Mary doing? And Jesus tells us what Mary is doing. Jesus says, she hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Have you ever stopped to think of how much in a day's experience does not last? So many things that we come in contact with in the course of a day do not last. Uh, the food that we eat gives us strength for that time, but it doesn't last. The experiences that we have, we enjoy for the time, but they really don't last. And yet what we do with the Lord Jesus, what happens between my heart and his heart, lasts. You see, this is enrichment. You can watch television and get entertainment. But when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you get enrichment. There was passed into Mary's heart and mind and life eternal truth and eternal love and eternal glory. And this could not be taken away from her. This is what the Christian life is all about, my friend. This business of meeting with the Lord day by day is an experience of enrichment. And you can tell the people who are enriched. Peter said to a beggar one day, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Such as I have give I. You can't give something you don't have yourself. And here's a worried and bothered mother who's trying to give her children some kind of guidance. Ah, but she needs guidance. Here's a, a student out on his PCW assignment trying to give somebody spiritual help. Yes, but he needs spiritual help. Here's a teacher trying to instruct his class, but he needs to be taught. And this is an experience of enrichment. When you meet with the Lord in his word through prayer and worship, you garner to your soul treasures that can't be stolen from you. You see, Mary loved the Word of God. Mary would have said with Job, I esteem the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. Martha was fussing about food. Mary was feeding her soul. 
she would have agreed with Jeremiah who said, Thy words were found and I did eat them, and they are the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. She would have agreed with her Lord who said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's an experience of enrichment. Secondly, it's an, an experience of enablement. I have found that by spending time every day with the Lord, starting my day with Him, that it gives me the enablement I need for that whole day. After all, you and I can't operate on our own human power. It's impossible for you and me to do spiritual work with carnal ways and carnal power. The spirit indeed is willing, said Jesus, but the flesh is weak. And when Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his word, she was given that divine enablement that she needed. Here's someone last week, Tuesday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he cracked up, went to pieces. A crisis came, and that crisis found him unprepared, and he went to pieces. Ah, but he didn't go to pieces at 3 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. He went to pieces long before that. Some point in his life, at some point in his life, he began to neglect prayer and the Word of God, got too busy, and deterioration set in. You've heard that stupid statement, a crisis makes a man. That's a lie. A crisis never did make a man. A crisis shows what a man's made of. The tree gets its roots down deep and pulls up the nourishment, and the tree grows day by day by day. And then the storm comes. The storm doesn't make the tree grow. The storm proves how deep the roots have gone. Mary faced some crises in her life. Not long after this, you find Lazarus gets sick. And Mary prays and says, Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick. And God doesn't answer her prayer. Some Christians fall to pieces when God delays to answer prayer. My friend, if we can't face the delays of life, how in the world are we going to face the demands and the disciplines of life? And then Lazarus dies. And the old serpent comes to Mary and says, Oh, you prayed, you love him, you talked to him. Why didn't he do something? Lazarus dies. Lazarus is buried. And then Jesus shows up and Mary comes out. And you know where Mary is? At Jesus' feet. You see, when you're at Jesus' feet privately, when things are going well, you'll have no problem coming to Jesus' feet publicly when things are kind of tough. And she went through that crisis without any problem whatsoever. She said, Lord, I know that you are the Son of God, and I know that you can do all things. A little later on, she found out that Jesus was going to die. And she loved him. And she cared for him. And so what does she do? She brings that alabaster box of ointment and she anoints him, John chapter 12, and prepares him for his burial. How do you face the disappointments of life? How do you face the delays of life? How do you and I face those demands of life when there's difficulty and trouble? We face them the way we face the Lord Jesus. If we're spending time at his feet, it gives us divine enrichment. We don't have cheap lives that are made up of tinsel and bubble gum. We have lives that have some value to them. There is enrichment and there is enablement. That's the first reason why we need that daily time with the Lord. Because of what it means to us.
Throughout my years here at Songtime, I've had the privilege of doing many, many hundreds of interviews, and in many of them, we talk about this very subject and how to to grow closer in your walk with Christ, steps that we can make that would improve our devotional life, our prayer life. So many of the conversations that I've had throughout the years have centered on this subject of, of how we can actually grow in our love and devotion to Christ. Now, one of the things that is across the board is there's a lot of suggestions, there's a lot of recommendations, but those are not going to motivate you to spend more time with Jesus. In fact, the thing that's going to help you do that is is not more rules and instruction and commands. That sounds a lot more like Martha, doesn't it? (laughs) The more you think about it, um, Martha was anxious and troubled. Why? Because she had so many things she had to do and no way to do it all on her own. And that can feel like sometimes how we approach our devotional life. It just feels like too much with everything else that we have to do. Well, Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God. And certainly that is a command. But we believe, we we agree with scripture that the thing that's going to motivate you the most to want to study God's word is to realize and know the love of God towards you. You're going to have to increase your desire, and to do that, you're going to have to consider what Christ has already accomplished for us on the cross. And we don't believe that there's any other better motivation than to spend time with God, than understanding the gospel. And that's why we seek to articulate it on a daily basis, because we believe that that is what's going to draw you in and help you grow in grace so that you don't groan in disgrace. We want to help you to walk with Christ because the more you walk with him, the more you learn about him, the more you're going to want to spend time with him. So if we've been able to encourage you over the years and if you've seen your own desire growing to want to spend more time with Jesus, that's spiritual growth taking place. And if we've played a part in that, I hope that we've been able to bless you. I want to encourage you to be a blessing to us in return. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue to unpack this distinction of, of how to truly love God and to sit at His feet when there are so many things that we ought to be doing. There is no division in the Bible between duty and devotion. If my devotional life doesn't lead to duty, there's something wrong with my devotions. And if my duty does not help to strengthen my devotional life, there's something wrong with my duty. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 14:11. Hear the words of Jesus. He said, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted.